Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, a new Pokemon game is in the works, more layoffs around the games industry, and Stardew Valley is about to make a comeback. everybody and welcome to another episode of the what's good games podcast your source for video game news commentary analysis and funny stuff every friday i am andrea renee joined by mrs rihanna manuel pena oh good afternoon i'm excited good to be back good afternoon indeed and welcome back to the show doc brooke what's good everyone so good to see you, Brooke. I'm glad that we were able to make this happen. I've been trying to get Brooke on the show for a couple of weeks, and then according to my schedule and issues, <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't happened. But I'm glad that you are here to talk about some awesome stuff with us today. Before we jump into what Doc Brooke has been up to, because it's been a while since you've been back on the show, Rihanna, you kind of had a big week this week. Yeah, so some cool stuff going on in my neck of the woods. First off, yesterday, if you're listening to this on Friday of Dave release, we had the third annual Spawnies Awards show with uh, Khalif Adams from Spawn on Me. And I love co-hosting that show. It's an award show talking about all the best experiences of 2023 in gaming. And we feature underrepresented developers and publishers. And I just really, really enjoy being involved with that every year. So if you didn't catch it live, you can go to youtube.com slash spot on me to check that out. It's also, I believe, up on IGN and Twitch. So Go find that in all of the places where you watch your stuff. But yeah, we had our award show again. Yay! Yay. So glad you guys are doing the Spawnies and, you know, much love to Khalif, friend of the show. And hopefully um, we get to connect more with him in the future because he's been busy. I saw him for literally 60 seconds at Dice <laughs> and like that was it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, he's been wheeling and dealing. But there is one other thing that I'm excited to talk about. I don't think I mentioned this last time I was on the show, but my husband, Danny, and I have both a new business and a new podcast. So the latest episode, we're talking about physical versus digital media, which is, I know, a conversation that's come up here on What's Good Games a couple of times. So if you want to hear more of my thoughts on that check out our latest episode. And that's on youtube.com slash the Danny Andriana show and all of the podcast services around the world. Yeah. Yeah. We love this news. And I'll have all of those links in the show notes for everybody. If you want to go check out both of those shows that Rihanna is working on and has worked on. So very cool, exciting news. And in other exciting news, people may know it's March 1st, or maybe it's after March 1st, depending on when you're listening to this episode. And that means it's Women's History Month. A very exciting month where we get to celebrate a lot of things that women over the period of the past have done and women are currently doing and What's Good Games likes to do a lot of promotion because obviously we are a women-run small business. And in that vein, 
I have big news that I've been teasing for a couple of weeks about mm. us moving to a new membership program. And I'm excited to announce that What's Good Games premium membership offerings are moving to a new home. We are going to be migrating from Patreon over to our new platform at Supercast. So that's whatsgoodgames.supercast.com. And I'll have links down below. And I'll be making a separate video with Brittany explaining all of the new membership offerings. So I'm not going to dive into that here. But just know that if you're an existing patron of ours, I have details on how to migrate your account. And if you are interested in helping support our voices in the world of video games, getting the show ad-free, getting bonus content, getting exclusive episodes, and more, please do check out our new membership offering at whatsgoodgames.supercast.com. And I hope that you guys will uh, let us know what you think and give us any feedback and more details to come on that in the coming weeks, Yay. including the show that I'm going to launch. But I am having a few issues with some of my assets and things that I'm getting ready to go. But that's coming soon. And it will be included in the membership Yay. just on top of so everything exciting. else we're already getting. I love yeah, it. It's so exciting. exciting. Yeah, we're very excited about it. And hopefully it'll streamline things. I'm really very much loving the tools in the Supercast platform, including the ability to do AMAs whenever we want. And we're bringing back the happy hour Q&A and so much more. And it's super easy to switch over and also just to bring the feed, the ad-free feed right into the podcast player you're already using. It's just, it's great. So hopefully people will join us. And again, like I said, more to come on that soon. So on that vein, we're going to jump right into our first feature story. But before we do that, Brooke, I would love to catch up with you for a minute about what you've been up to because we took this long hiatus and we still, you know, chatted a bit, but you came to LA and went yeah. to the Game Awards with us and that was super fun. And so fun. you've been working on your dissertation and you're in the home stretch of that, it sounds like. But what else have you been up to? I mean, that's been the big thing. It's submitted. I have a committee that says I can defend. So officially, Doc Brook will be Doc Brook PhD here come April. So that's Yay! exciting. Um, and then I'm actually working on some exciting projects. I have a project I'm working on with some scholars in the UK. We're doing some work. I know I've talked about it on the show before. Some of the research I've done with Twitch and hate raids and people experiencing harassment online and gaming spaces. And I'm working on a really cool project with some folks in the UK that's going to come out this summer. That's looking at the history of that and also the history of how people come together to resist that and how it's actually a community building thing as well that brings people together. So those are just some things I'm looking forward to, especially once that dissertation is like fully done and they call me doctor. I'm living for April, you know? <laughs> I am so excited for you for that moment. It's a much bigger moment than like the senior year of high school when you're like, I'm going to graduate and then I'm going to be done. Obviously, like it's literally like double or triple the amount of time yeah, people spend so in high school to get your PhD. <laughs> but that's the only like parallel that I have really. Yeah, I'm not going to compare it to childbirth because that's way harder. But this is probably the hardest thing I've done in my kind life. Because yeah. like childbirth is hard, but for a relatively short amount of time compared to <laughs> getting a PhD. Yeah, but I've heard people compare it and I'm like, I guess that's my comparison. This is the hardest thing I've done. I might do a little photo shoot with my dissertation. You know, <laughs> when it's all said and done. We've, we've talked about doing that because it's seven years in the making. So it's like a really long term situation. So... Yes, as we were discussing before the show started, you referred to it as a terminal education. And I was like, 
what, what, does that, what does that mean? That sounds, that sounds bad. <laughs> it just means that, as we said, we should start calling it the apex degree because it means I can't go any farther. I can go get more PhDs. I won't, but I could. <laughs> um, it's not like I a tattoo. I can't one-up this. This is the end of the line. Well, congratulations. And we look forward to celebrating Thanks. with you and looking at this amazing photo shoot that I absolutely <laughs> hope happens now. Yeah, I want it to happen. Wonderful. Okay, so keeping the good energy going, because there was a Pokemon Presents this week, y'all know I had to reach out to Brittany and say, can you jump on with me and give me the lowdown on what happened with the Pokemon Presents? So Brittany and I recorded a little piece for you on the feature news story of this week, which is there's a new Pokemon game in development and I won't take any of the Blonde Nerd's thunder away. Let's check out what she had to say. Brittany, it would not be an episode of What's Good Games without your thoughts on a new Pokemon Presents. So this one seemed a little bit smaller than what I think maybe people were anticipating. But what were your thoughts after you watched the presentation? I've come to the realization, Andrea, that I don't know if or how much longer Pokemon is going to be for me. Oh, okay. And this is something I've been going back and forth with in my brain folds with a, for a very long time. And it's something I've talked to Rebecca Valentine quite a bit a lot as well. It's just, I think about it. When was the last Pokemon game I actually finished? I think it was, it wasn't Scarlet, it was Sword and Shield. It was Sword, I think. And I played all the DLC and I loved that one. But Arceus, nope. Scarlet and Violet, nope. It's just, it's weird for me. That said, like, I can't help but watch. I don't want to call it a train wreck because that is just so unnecessary. And I'm being a salty <laughs> asshole about it. There was a tweet going around before the Pokemon Presents. And it was like, what's your most unrealistic expectation? And my answer to that was a game that runs as smooth as Voltorb's ass. And for those of you who don't know, Voltorb is a spherical, explosive Pokemon. Very smooth. I just want... I have so much pent up like frustration with this franchise. So I'm going to keep following. I'm going to keep watching Andrea, but I don't know. I don't know if this series is still for me. And that like breaks my heart a little bit. That's, I think, an okay place <sighs> to be because sometimes franchises don't evolve with how we evolve as humans, gamers, parents, whatever, right? And our appetites and tastes change over time. And you've been with Pokemon for multiple decades at this point. And it's okay if that's now, but <laughs> let's talk about what specifically about the presents made you feel that way. So some of the news that came out, well, I should say like the one big piece of news was Pokemon Legends Z through A was announced and it looks like it's going to be a return to the familiar but rejuvenated city from Pokemon games of past. Ooh, yeah, this is really interesting. So, I mean, like I said, I still am going to follow this this series no matter what. And I'm going to buy every game that comes out because I'm a fool. Whether or not it sticks with me or I like it, different story. So, yeah, ZA. So, this is a really interesting one. And there's different, like, sides. There's a lot to break down here. But I think what's interesting is to go back and find out why are people so excited about this Pokemon game? That's Pokemon Z to A. Multiple reasons. Number one, though, we got to go back. We got to go back to 19. 1996 when Pokemon Red and Blue released. You had Red and Blue. Two years later, Pokemon Yellow released. So 
To keep it simple, generally, every two years after a main Pokemon game has released, you get a definitive slash enhanced edition of those games. So again, Pokemon Red and Blue got Pokemon Yellow. Pokemon Black and White got Pokemon Black and White 2. Sun and Moon, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. But then something weird happened around 2013 when you got Pokemon X and Y. Two years come and go, and there was never an enhanced or definitive edition of these two games released, which didn't make a lot of sense because there were some things like Zygarde, who is, you know, this this legendary Pokemon that was in that game that never really got expanded upon in the game, within the game itself. And there were some interesting lore tidbits and some unsolved mysteries, if you will. And people were like, yo, whatever happened to that? There was an official answer given by the Pokemon company itself, and they were pretty much like, eh, we just wanted to surprise people with Sun and Moon because it was the 20th anniversary of Pokemon, and so we didn't do a definitive edition of X and Y. But if you go through and you look at information that was data mined after Sun and Moon, you will see that there were references to Pokemon Kalos Reserve 1 and 2. Kalos is the region in which X and Y takes place. So it sounds like these games were planned. However, at that time, there was this initiative called the Gear Initiative within um, Game Freak. And this was essentially an opportunity for developers to go out and make different games to try something new. And at that time, they made games Harmonite, Pocket Card Jockey, and the only, only other one I remember is Tembo the Badass Elephant. So those are the games that came out of the Gear Project around the time that this enhanced edition of Pokemon Z would have came out. So people are like, oh, it was the Gear Project. That's why the game never got an enhanced edition. They were too busy making other games. Could be, who knows? Either way, it never came to be. But now we have Pokemon Z-A. So, okay, Z is definitely Zygarde, which is that legendary Pokemon I talked about earlier, because if you look, there's little scales within the Z, and those are his same scales, and he's a weird-ass Pokemon. Depending on how many cores and scales or whatever you bring to him, he morphs into different things. I think he had a more prominent role in the anime, which I never watched, so I can't really, like, speak on that. But then the other thing that is interesting is that AZ is a person, a character that was in Pokemon X and Y, and he has something to do with this ultimate weapon that was within the game. I I never played X and Y, so I don't really know. But from what I've heard from people who have is the lore in that game is kind of cuckoo bananas. And there's a lot of interesting potential for expansion. All right. So now (laughs) this takes us back to the very title of this game, which is Pokemon Legends Z to A. So the fact and the the trailer opens up, like you said, it's like this blueprint being constructed and, and it's Lumio City. And this is the city with that this entire game is going to be taking place within like that came out after the Pokemon presents that the entire game is going to take place within the city. So in Pokemon X and Y, the city is massive. It's sprawling. It's already there. And because this game is a Pokemon Legends game, my thought is that this is going to be telling a legend within the Pokemon universe, kind of like how Pokemon Legends Arceus taught us about the history of Pokemon in the sense like you're in this little fort and you're defending against Pokemon and you're kind of scared of the Pokemon. There's these weird new things. That's an interesting tidbit of lore, right? So I think with this one, it's going to talk about the construction of the city and what that entailed. And I think for some reason, that's a really, really important moment in the Pokemon lore and story that they want to hyper focus on this. And I couldn't speak to that because, again, I never played it. Don't know why that would be so important. And then I am also wondering, because it's Z to A, could that be some sort of indication of time travel? Because to have an entire game take place within a city just doesn't make sense. I feel like there's a little bit more they're not telling us. I think they're being a little cheeky. So maybe there's some sort of time travel element where you go back in time and maybe you have to like fight certain Pokemon or catch Pokemon to like help build this city or I don't know, man, who fucking knows? Let's be real. 
But <laughs> it's an interesting idea for a Pokemon game. It all takes place in a city. Are you going to be like Sim City building this bullshit? Because if so, like sign me the fuck up. Is that is this a finally like the game that I'm going to be like, it's back, baby. But anyway, those are the ramblings of a woman who have just been following this as I do. If you want like much more in-depth like breakdowns and shit, like there are so many videos out there that are fascinating to watch and people get all excited, kind of like I get when I talk about like Yakuza and whatnot. They're out there. But I know I said I was going to try to keep this simple. Andrea, I can feel your glazed eyes from here. No, I think it's fascinating. I'm just trying to remember the last time I saw a Pokemon trailer that showed so little of what the game was going to be. Yeah. Because I think that's a big thing that people have noted is that this particular teaser trailer within the Pokemon Presents doesn't have any gameplay, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but also has just a really interesting style visualistically. Like -hmm. like you mentioned the blueprint kind of top-down look that we saw. And if you were watching on YouTube, you know, we played the trailer, but... It, to me, is like leaves a, a huge open door for what is this game? What kind of Pokemon game is it even? And I just don't recall the last time Game Freak and Nintendo and the Pokemon company announced a new game this way. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting we didn't talk about this, it's not coming out until 2025. So that means as of right now, we're not getting a mainline game in this series, which is really good. Actually, like that's really good. Like, please take your sweet time milking this. Milk it like a fucking full-ass cow utter that's really why did I make it so weird I made it so fucking weird (laughs) but yeah literally like just give us that polish 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 game that I know they're capable of making so I'm thinking yeah there's just probably not a lot to show right now not a lot of definitive footage that they would be willing because I think this game is going to be kind of a complicated thing to explain and I think they're probably going to wait much closer to launch to actually show what it is And seeing as, you know, these rumors of the Switch not coming out until 2025, I'm wondering, is this going to be a launch title for the Switch 2, whatever that thing is called? Because because the language in all the official press stuff is that it's coming to Nintendo Switch systems, plural. So you can look into that how you will. But yeah, I I think, you know, we're going to get definitely like a main ass direct specifically related to this game much later in the year, probably when it starts getting hyped for that Switch 2 bullshit shenaniganry. And then we're going to start deep diving into it. But really interesting. Like, we'll see. We'll see where where they go with this old Pokemon Legends stuff. It's kind of cool to see them branching off and doing different things and exploring different avenues. And I hope it is successful. I hope they took all of our criticisms to heart when we were bitching and moaning and complaining about the status of Scarlet and Violet. Ah. <sighs> Do you feel better now that you got that out? I do. I mean, I was talking to Jason about it last night because, you know, he he's my Pokemon ride or die. Except for all he plays now is Unite. Literally, it's all he plays is Pokemon Unite, Andrea. I, <laughs> I was like, do you remember when you used to be a real gamer and you actually used to play video oh, games? Oh, no. <laughs> Girl, I'm like, Final Fantasy Rebirth. He hasn't even played God of War Ragnarok yet. That's a travesty. I know. But... You guys are playing Helldivers together. We are. I mean, he, and to me, I'm, I'm honestly just being an asshole because he he plays Pokemon Unite when he walks on the treadmill for like an hour and a half a night. So like, that's how he gets his exercise. And then, you know, other than that, he just wants to play co-op games with me. So we do play games together, but he doesn't just like sit down and like play a single player game and like get immersed in a story. And I want that sort of parallel play for us. You know what I mean? I understand, but I also get his point of view of, hey, I have a lot in my brain. Like I'm working all day and trying to be present as a father with a maniac of a toddler. And sometimes I just need to decompress with a game that requires little to no mental effort. 
Pokemon United is. <laughs> you are a Jason apologist. I'm a Jason apologist because I understand what he's going through. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it's all in good fun, friends. Don't actually think I like pissing off my husband about it because it's all in good yeah. fun. And he, I mean, all he it's does all, it's is all in, it's all in love. All he does, but Brittany, Andrea, is I wanted to family. ask you. It's not a big deal about some of these other things that were in the Pokemon Presents. If they even, you know, blew okay, your skirt up just a little bit. One more thing that blew my skirt up from this. Yeah, Presents. Yeah, it's called Pokemon Trading Card Game Pocket. That is a mouthful. And and it is in development with a Pokemon company, DNA Creatures Inc. And it's a free, what's the exact word they use? Free to start app, friends. So this is on your mobile devices. And every day you will get two free packs of Pokemon cards and you will be able to open them and you will see them and you can look at them and you'll get that dopamine hit. Uh, but what's also really cool is they are streamlining the card game rules. And so you can battle with people near and far and actually use the cards, which is great because what I do with my physical cards is I just unwrap them and then I store them away unless they're like shiny like Magikarps or something. But no, it's really cool. There's also, um, I think they're calling them interactive format or whatever it is. Essentially, you'll be able to explore certain cards. These are called immersive cards, and you'll be able to see what's around it. So, like, if anyone's been opening up card packs, you know, like, those the pretty alt arts, right? It's kind of like that pastel hand-drawn look. You might see two Pikachus, but if you pull one of these innovative cards, you can actually go beyond the two Pikachus, and you can look to the left, and maybe you'll see some Ponytas, or you'll see, like, Pokemon in their natural habitat just hanging out, and it kind of, I think, is, like, zooming in on sections of a mural, and you get to just kind of look around and see what that entire art piece is. But no, like, this looks fun. Like, listen, this is the most brilliant thing they have done in a very, very long time. Our generation has been conditioned with all of digital media and even look at the NFT people out there where we can see a photo. Some of us anyway can see a digital photo of something and consider it as important as a physical object. Right. Like that's just the world we live in now. So to now streamline your card game, which makes so much money and to now make it digitally where people can buy packs microtransactions up the ass. They are going to make so much bang off of this. And the fact that they've had, they've implemented streamlined card game rules so you can play with people like, hell yeah, that sounds super fun. I think this is more exciting to me actually than the ZA announcement. And I just think this is just absolutely brilliant. Like I'm not mad and I could never be mad at this because like someone big braining up there, they're going to make so much money. I mean, yes. Yeah. I thought something like this would probably be in the works. I didn't imagine it coming together like this, but what a great way to capitalize on an already robust physical card market that has they've continued to sustain. I mean, obviously it's come down a little bit since like the levels it was at like a year ago when every time I walked into Target, the Pokemon card section was just empty. That pandemic. It was just like perpetually yeah. empty. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> So when are you starting your Pokemon unwrapping TikToks? Oh my I'm, God. I'm still waiting. Girl, you know what the fuck I got going on in the background. <laughs> I barely, what you and my hair is in pigtails right now, youtube.com slash plus. I haven't washed my hair in like five days. I've taken showers. Don't get mad. I don't got time for shit. I'm going through yeah. it, man. But yeah. um, eventually. <laughs> That's what I've been saying, I feel like, since the height of the pandemic. Uh, I love it though. Uh, it's gonna happen. It Even will. if I have to make you do it the next time I see you in person, I'll just be like, "All right, be, turn see, the TikTok on." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought a hundred dollars worth of packs. Let's go. That would be great. I think we did something like that for our anniversary. Was that our anniversary <gasps> stream? That yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. Okay, plans are made, everybody. 
Well, Britt, thanks for popping by this week's episode to give us the Pokemon lowdown. Of course, we will keep an eye out for more details on what's happening with Z to A. And if you have any other theories that pop into your head, keep us posted, Britt. Oh, I will. Don't worry. I'll just bust in like Kool-Aid, man. I love that for us. All right, everybody, stick with us. After the break, we have more headlines. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get into some headlines. And unfortunately, my first headline for this week is a doozy. Not only is it long, but it's full of really sad news. Yeah. Sony Interactive Entertainment, EA, and Supermassive are just some of the latest companies to announce layoffs in a bleak start to 2024 for gaming developers. This week was another massive blow to the development community as more layoffs were announced across multiple companies. Sony Interactive Entertainment cut 900 employees globally, including from high-profile studios like Naughty Dog, Guerrilla Games, and Insomniac Games. PlayStation Studios' London studio was shuttered entirely amid work on a new online fantasy game for PS5. Quote, we looked at our studios and our portfolio, said PlayStation Studios head Herman Holst. Evaluating projects in various stages of development and have decided that some of those projects will not move forward. I want to be clear that the decision to stop work on these projects is not a reflection on the talent or passion of team members. Our philosophy has always been to allow creative experimentation. Sometimes great ideas don't become great games. Sometimes a project is started with the best intentions before shifts within the market or industry result in a change of plan. I am deeply saddened to see talented individuals leave the company. I have so much admiration, appreciation, and respect for their work. Electronic Arts, another company, announced they are reducing their global workforce by approximately 5%, according to a statement from CEO Andrew Wilson this week. The statement was titled, Continuing to Evolve Our Business and Teams. Though to the estimated over 600 people affected, I doubt they see the move as an evolution. In his statement, Wilson wrote, we are also sunsetting games and moving away from development of future licensed IP that we do not believe will be successful in changing our industry. This greater focus allows us to drive creativity, accelerate innovation, and double down on our biggest opportunities, including our owned IP, sports, and massive online communities. Supermassive Games issued a statement on the app, formerly known as Twitter this week, saying, it's no secret that the games industry is currently facing significant challenges, and unfortunately, we aren't immune to this. They will be losing at least 90 employees, but possibly more in the coming weeks. Deck Nine, developer of games like Life is Strange True Colors, cut 20% of its staff this week, approximately 30 employees, according to a report from Eurogamer. They cited the game industry's worsening market conditions, as many other companies have. 
Cloud Empyrean Games, the team behind the record-breaking crowdfunded space game Star Citizen, has reportedly had mass layoffs as well, according to a report from Game Developer. Though there has been no official statement from the studio, several affected developers have made public statements regarding the situation. It appears the layoffs may have been disguised as relocation efforts and reports of a toxic workplace culture have surfaced as well. Former producer Annie Buffard wrote in a translated post that Cloud Empyrean is a, quote, highly toxic company. Cloud Imperium has yet to respond to the allegations, but considering they have amassed half a billion dollars in crowdfunding, yes, over 500 million United States dollars, everybody, feels like yet another bad management situation. I don't even know where to start with this just awful, awful collection of news. I mean, I can start. It's always bad management, right? Like there clearly are very few instances where these companies are not making enough money to gainfully employ the people who are responsible for the products that they have sold. They got a bunch of additional customers during a pandemic. Maybe they hired a bunch of people up after getting a PPP loan. Like who knows why they ballooned the way that they did over the last few years. But there's a lot of studios that are cutting back right now amid profits. And that just always, always, always sucks to see. And of course, there are going to be redundancies when companies are acquired, like the needs of the business change. Maybe some projects don't pan out, but this is clearly a pattern that indicates this is more than just normal attrition. And it fucking sucks. <laughs> like, that's just the long and short of it. It fucking sucks. Yeah. That's, that's a, a really succinct way to put it. It's, I don't think that all of these layoffs are just because of bad management. I definitely think some of it is projects that they took gambles on that just didn't pay off. And we talked about that in some of these previous layoff announcements that there was just too many games being published and developed at the same time for the market to sustain all of the development that's happening. There's just no way that all of these games were going to be hits. I saw a comment from a colleague of mine in the games industry, Michael Fodder, who wrote, it feels almost like video game companies are now becoming too big to succeed, Mm. is the phrase that he used. Oh, yeah. Indicating this concept that the budgets for games have bloated and they're becoming so big and so high that the profit margin is becoming slimmer and slimmer so that even when a game does exceedingly well that it doesn't feel like a runaway success because they spent so much money making it. That's why I think particularly with Sony Interactive Entertainment, that's at play with their layoffs specifically, because how else would you explain developers like Naughty Dog, Gorilla, and Insomniac, three flagship studios making incredible titles that both critically acclaimed and commercially sold well, having to cut people from their workforce. Those projections are too high. How is that possible? Those projections are way too high. I can't imagine being inside Insomniac specifically, coming off of DICE where they won several awards for Marvel Spider-Man 2, celebrating that win, had this game that did very well, and having having the big boss at PlayStation come in and be like, actually, um, we need to let some people go. And they're like, wait, what? What? Yeah, we did good. We did good. They did everything right. Yeah. It's awful that everything right isn't enough. Yeah. It's awful. It is. And I think our industry has to figure out how we reckon with that like how do we move forward how do we get back to a place where developers feel appreciated and there's a sense of positivity and I don't want to make a 
assumption that everyone in games is sad because that's absolutely (laughs) not true, right? There's still plenty of teams who are doing great stuff and having big wins and having lots of success. And the games industry overall is very healthy, but it is suffering this like recession period that we saw coming and that a lot of experts warned was in the plans for 2024. It just, man, it's hard to keep picking yourself up by your bootstraps when the news just doesn't feel like it lets up. And for job seekers out there, I know we have a lot of devs who listen to and support the show. My heart goes out to you. You've heard all of the advice that that you could possibly hear. It's super, super crowded right now. There's a lot of job openings at, at studios, but they may not be the right fit. They may require you to be in a different location than you're able to commute to. It may not be the right reimbursement that you deserve for your skill level. Like It's tough and it's hard to say just stick it out because maybe that isn't feasible for you and your family and your situation. So just know that we all care. And if we could do something to help, we would. Absolutely. Take advantage of job boards. Take advantage of trolling the hashtags like hashtag game jobs and checking other platforms like LinkedIn and you now Wiggy's job board is great. And there's also resources. I had a great meeting with the head of Take This, Eve Krevoshay at Dice, and I'm hoping to work with them on more initiatives. But Take This is a great place to find mental health resources if you're finding yourself, you know, in a place where you, you know, need some help or you just want to take a look at what's out there and look for some coping mechanisms, anything to you know, even using escapism. They're great. Takethis.org, highly, highly recommended if those resources are a good fit for you in your current situation. But I mean, (laughs) I don't want to be that person that's like, keep your chin up because that feels so shitty, (laughs) you know? But I am comforted by several people I know continuing to spotlight job openings at their studios. So I try my best to retweet as many of those as I can. So if you are listening and you have openings at your studio and you're actively hiring, feel free to email us, contact at whatsgoodgames.com. I would be happy to signal boost any of those job postings for anybody. And hopefully, hopefully everyone gets the severance that they deserve and is taken care of. Like these companies all say in their cringy statements that are handcrafted by a corporate communications professional. And like, I'm not saying those professionals are cringy, not you. You have an important job. And I respect your job. (laughs) But so many of these public statements that we've seen just feel so hollow. And it just, it's such a bummer. You can just sort of see through it and it's tough. Yes. So I don't want to get down like a sad rabbit hole (laughs) of this, but we obviously had to call out because this week was freaking brutal. There were so many and... I really hope that it eases up soon. Yeah, because all of this year can't be like this. Okay, Jeez. I'm willing it to stop. I'm willing it into existence. Yeah, we're <laughs> gonna manifest a better spring here. Yes, exactly. All right, moving on to some more positive news. Call of Duty Black Ops veteran developer David Vonderhaar has announced his new AAA studio called Bullet Farm. Love this name. Mm. Very great. I've got the opportunity to interview David Vonderhaar several times over the course of my career and his time working on Black Ops. He is such a fun guy to talk to and a super talented developer. He, of course, was the former design director for one of the world's most popular games, Call of Duty Black Ops, as I already mentioned. And he has now teamed up with Chinese publisher NetEase to build a new co-op 
first-person title, built in Unreal Engine 5. He said in the press release this week that this is a departure from the games I've worked on, but one that showcases my passion for rich characters, precise mechanics, more intimate storytelling, and plenty of action. Now, that's a collection of things that mm. I would love to see him execute very well. Sign me Seems up. Seems like you've given yourself a tall task. Yes. <laughs> Wait, rich characters and precise mechanics and lots of action? What? Wow. Is it possible? I mean, Black Ops is a pretty strong pedigree to come from, I believe. I believe in the vision, but I would love to see this. And, you know, honestly, if it's a combination of, you know, linear storytelling or multiplayer, or if there's any sort of free-to-play mechanics, like whatever the end result is, I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I will wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next up, Stardew Valley's 1.6 update is finally coming in March. The wildly popular life and farming simulator is bringing new content for PC players first on March 19th, with a console and mobile update coming, quote, as soon as possible, according to developer Eric Barron. The game celebrated its eighth anniversary and has sold over 30 million copies. Did not realize Stardew yeah. that many copies. Wowza, congrats. Incredible. The mm. 1.6 update brings a new major festival to mini festivals, new items, crafty recipes, outfits, a new farm type, expanded late game content, and eight-player multiplayer support, among other things. And additional secrets, oh. whatever that means. I love that. So exciting. I love it, too. God. Yeah, so tell me how excited you are, Doc. I'm actually super excited. Stardew Valley is a comfort game for me. I feel like at least once, if not twice a year, I'm either traveling or I'm just in like a gaming rut or like a depressed period of my life and I download it and it just envelops me and it's it's rhythm and it's RPG elements and my romances, even though I always romance the same person. And it's just... <laughs> it's, like me in it's, it's like me in, in Baldur's Gate. I'm like, I'm sorry, it can't not be Carlac, right? Like there are just sometimes certain times you love who you love. But I'm very, very excited about Stardew. I do want to ask, where's Haunted Chocolatier? I want to know where that's... But I'm also very, very grateful for updates, especially expanding the late game content. That's always exciting news to me because I always kind of hit that like two, three year timeline in Stardew. And then I'm like, I guess I'm done. So I'm excited to see what this update has. I have been told by Joey Noel that I need to play Stardew. And yes. I keep reminding her that I have other mistresses that I am <laughs> beholden to. Of, of the Dreamlight, of the Disney Dreamlight variety. Yeah, because Dreamlight Valley also put out a new update, adding Monsters, Inc., the laughing floor. And I just, like, I, I can't. There's just so much. But Stardew looks cool, and maybe someday I will be able to play Stardew Valley. It's wild <laughs> to me that you haven't played this game yet, honestly. Yeah, this is, this is such a you game. I'm so surprised. It's such a you game. Well, it's interesting that you say that because it came out before I got into Animal Crossing. Yeah. And then okay. I got into Animal Crossing during the pandemic and... A lot of people I knew were already a couple of years into Stardew at that point. And I wasn't going to abandon Animal Crossing to go to Stardew because I was like all in on my bells. And at the time, I was just like, "I this is my game. And then I just kind of took a break from the Sim games because I had a small child. Right. Yeah, natural. <laughs> Just didn't have as much time to play. <laughs> Your life was a sim game, <laughs> actually. <laughs> it turns out I was playing the real sim game of motherhood. And then when I came back to this category, I went to my island and was like, nah, not really cutting it for me anymore. But then Dreamlight Valley happened and I was, and now I'm donezo again. 
Mm. So maybe someday, Stardew. Maybe someday. All right, continuing on with headlines. Alan Wake 2 developer Remedy Entertainment acquired rights to control. Before I read this, mm. did not realize they did not have rights to control. Yeah, so, so strange, Today right? I learned. Today I learned. <laughs> In a press release issued this week, Remedy Entertainment announced that they have retained full rights to the Control franchise from its former publisher, 505 Games, including future projects like Control 2, a codename game named Condor, and any other control things that they want to make. I think the cool price was $17 million? Just a drop in the bucket, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit of money. It's okay. I did not realize, again, that they didn't have this, but I'm glad that they got this because when Sam Lake, the head of Remedy, was doing interviews for Alan Wake 2, which was a huge success for them, as far as critical acclaim, uh, we're learning now that as far as sales go, that that game hasn't delivered, I think, on the expectations they had for it, which is a bummer because that game is amazing. So if you so, haven't played so Alan Wake 2, you should play it. And yes, I know I worked for Remedy on that on that Alan Wake 2 event. And you can disregard my statement if you want because of that. But that game's incredible. Hey, I don't okay. even like scary games and I didn't work on it. And I'm going to tell you to play it. So <laughs> also same. Ditto. <laughs> It's very good. And I don't want Remedy to have to lay off people or God, stop no. making cool projects no. because people don't understand their amazing brand of weird because <laughs> it's so good. And what they did with that game was really innovative. Mm -hmm. So I want them to keep making more. And, and Sam like spoke a lot about the Remedy Connected Universe of which Control is part of clearly some parallels that they draw in Alan Wake 2 between what's happening in Control and what's happening in the Alan Wake universe. And, you know, I think their next step would be to bring Quantum Break in, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen because <laughs> laws and legal stuff. I mean, they, they mentioned characters from Quantum Break in Alan Wake 2. There's some, some cameos there. Yes, of. but the intimation I got was that because of Quantum Break's publishing, that it's not like fully in the official Remedy Connected universe, but I hope one day it will be because it feels like, you know, it'll all come full circle. But yeah. we just get a Mass Pain remake and then that'll be next. So much potential. So uh, congrats to them. Glad they were able to buy that for themselves. And that's going to wrap up this week's headlines. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, including Brooke's report on Tekken 8, Helldivers 2. And Rihanna's been watching some Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Be right back. In this week's hands-on segment, I'm excited to have Doc Brooke here to talk about Tekken 8. So this is a game that you guys may have thought that we've just been largely ignoring, and that's not intentional. We just have very limited time to play, and as we discussed last week, Brittany and I have been playing a lot of Final Fantasy. So Brooke, Tekken 8 has been out for about a month now, and they recently just announced that they hit a sales milestone. Over 2 million copies sold in the first month, so congrats to yeah, the awesome. team at Bandai Namco for that. So let's talk about Tekken 8 and what you've thought about it so far. 
Yeah. So for context, for folks on What's Good are listening in, I'm not like a fighting game girly. Okay. I have become very like new to this genre, new to the fighting game community. I started with Street Fighter last year and had a great time. So I was really interested in Tekken and I came into it as somebody who had really heavily relied on some of the assistive modern controls in Street Fighter. Tekken doesn't have that. So I was a little nervous, but I have found that I am really enjoying Tekken. So the story is a bit bonkers. I encourage you if you want to come in and this is your first Tekken game, you want to watch some videos, some lore videos. There's a lot happening. There are pandas, there are resurrections, there's polluted demon blood stuff. There's a lot happening. (laughs) But as far as the actual gameplay elements go, I have been loving the dynamic 3D nature of the fighting. The fact that you're not just fighting in sort of a vertical, like up down space. The fact that you're moving from side to side really adds this cinematic type of mobility and like visualization to the fights and it just makes it really dynamic to watch but it's also really fun to play so I've been really enjoying it they have this arcade quest mode that teaches you how to play the game before you get too deep into the story and you can figure out what fighter you want to really learn and I found that very accessible so this has been a really fun jump into the Tekken universe and I never would have thought that I was becoming a fighting game girly but here we are so (laughs) I've really enjoyed it I love this journey for you. Tekken as a franchise has always been the one, not the only 3D fighter, of course, but I think like the premier 3D fighter, it's really what set them apart from the other big franchise in this genre, Street Fighter, right? And I think that it's been really interesting seeing how all of the franchises, including, you know, Mortal Kombat and some of the other like King of Fighters and things, how they've all evolved their formula over many, many years and installments in the game. And particularly interested to hear, you know, kind of your experience in it as somebody who's not traditionally into, you know, fighting games at all. Yeah, I think accessibility for those games, and I don't mean accessibility as far as maybe sometimes how we talk about it with different types of modes or enabling certain things so that people of a variety of abilities can play, but I mean your ability to walk into a new genre and understand what's happening fairly quickly. I think that is something that I've seen in fighting games. Some do better than others, and I'll give flowers to Street Fighter. I think Street Fighter did a good job, but I think Tekken 8 also does a really nice job of teaching you how to play it and give you ways to learn that makes sense to you. But then also my friends who encouraged me to try it, who have played all of the Tekkens have also really been loving it. And so I think that always speaks highly when you can have new people coming in, enjoy it, but then also have folks who've played Tekkens one through seven and have high expectations, having them appreciate it as well, I think speaks to the quality of the game. Rihanna, have you ever been into the Tekken franchise? I know that you don't play a ton of fighting games. I no. <laughs> You're like uh, the short answer no. is no. I, I I okay. So I've spent some time with like Mortal Kombat. Most of my fighting game experiences in the Soul Calibur universe. That was the game that just oh, yes, hit at the right one. time for me in college. Yeah. Shout out to Killick and Sung Mina. Those are my mains. But every other fighting game franchise I've like dabbled in, meaning I've played with my older cousins and gotten my ass handed to me so badly that I just stopped trying. Like yeah. I, I, I was burned. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't jump into them very willingly at this point, but I do appreciate the the approach and the story and the, I mean, the skill level required to, to play these at a high level is always just 
just so fascinating to me to watch because I love competitive gaming, as we all know. But me personally, as one of those athletes, uh, that's probably not in my journey. Athletes. Yeah. I guess. Are we are we using that? Sure. Using that term? It's a physical skill set that I do not possess. <laughs> um, oh, okay, that's fair. Yeah. That's definitely fair. I definitely think when you look at competitive video games, the fighting game community in particular feels like it has more of a physicality. And maybe that's just because of the fight sticks involved at the mm. competitive level uh, more than anything. That to me obviously sets it apart than a lot of the mouse and keyboard players in other esports genres. But... Okay, I, can, I think I can get behind that. I can get behind that. I mean, it's definitely a, a mental level of ability that I also don't yes. have. <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, just remembering a combo is tough. Yeah. <laughs> Real tough. Yeah, and every every fighting game uses different like language to talk about the combos, which has been something that's been harder for me, where it's amazing that people who play multiple games, that's just a whole another tier of impressive. I definitely think it has its own like lingo Absolutely. And I've always been really impressed by FGC players' ability to like count frames and know each individual character's like math data, right? Like knowing like how fast they're going and which animations fire at which speeds and like how to time specific animations against other characters' animations. And it's like a lot that you have to like memorize mm. um, in ways that I think that I'm capable of, but just don't have the brain bites to actually do. So like mad respect to the people who d actually do that. Yeah. Mad respect. Be yeah. Well, I'm glad that you've been enjoying your time with Tekken 8. I am excited that they've been doing well. And, you know, maybe fighting games are going to rise back up and become going to become the, the new hotness again. Certainly last year was a great year for fighting games. All right. Well, you've been playing other things, too. Speaking of the new hotness. Helldivers 2. Oh, Brittany yeah. and I talked about it last week. Rihanna, you dabbled in it. Doc, you're playing it. Oh, yeah. Is it the hotness? It is. It is. I love managing democracy. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> but then you decided to become a teacher. <laughs> Which is managing democracy in a different way with less flamethrowers. So... <laughs> Yes. Flamethrowers and democracy don't feel like they would fit together, but I see what you're saying. <laughs> I'm just saying in Helldivers, it seems to work out pretty well. I doubt that would work well in my classroom. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Helldivers. What, what do you love about it? So I love any game that lets me be social with my friends, but rewards me for my time in really meaningful ways. I love that after a 20 minutes or 30 minute mission, I'm getting lots of rewards. I feel like I've achieved something in that mission, but I don't have to worry about following a plot. I don't feel punished for not being able to drop one night or something, which is sometimes what can happen to me with a lot of like those PVE type games where you have to kind of keep up. I love that it's hit that sweet spot of reward, but it's still relaxed. Um, so it's really hit for me at a perfect time where I can just jump in for two or three missions with friends and jump out and have really enjoyed the experience the whole way there, whole time through, you know? I mean, I don't know because I haven't played yet. Yeah, Rihanna was trying in. to get me to play the other night yeah. and I was testing out a different game. And I had obviously talked to Brittany about her experience and <laughs> the orbital thrusters that yes. she mentioned on last week's episode. And I was like, okay, okay, I feel like I have to get into this, but I also want to get back to Fortnite. Rihanna, what am I to do? What's a girl to do? 
Dude, I don't know. You got to play both. Like, yeah. like Fortnite's both in a good, good spot right now. They're both real good. I mean, we can we can talk maybe a little bit about Lady Gaga. I haven't played it yet in Fortnite, but Helldivers too. Andrea, it's it's just okay. I know you don't like roguelikes because you don't like dying in games and losing progress and stuff like that. And Doc, it's is, just about my time. Okay, I, get I have it. very limited time. I get it, but but Need Doc, to keep Doc is a hundred percent right. Like even if you don't successfully accomplish a mission and extract, and you know everything goes well, it's still fun. Like it's still fun. You're still earning currency. You're still able to go back to your ship and maybe invest in a new stratagem. Like you really needed to resupply that time. So this is the next two runs. You're going to earn enough to get it. Like like it, it's a nice loop. There's really quick goal setting. The, the action pays off instantly, even if you throw in <laughs> an orbital strike directly onto your teammate right after they respawn. It's still fun. Like, it's still so much fun. Like, when things go completely wrong, you don't feel like your time was wasted. You have so many laughs, even if you're by yourself, even if you solo queue with a bunch of people and you're not communicating on the mic. Like, when things going wrong doesn't stop the progress, nor does it stop my enjoyment of this game. Like, I, like, I don't feel like I've wasted a single second, even though I've failed many missions. I feel like the people I'm playing with, whether it's, you know, folks like Danny or shout out to Shar from Women Led Games for jumping in with us the other day. Like, even if we're playing with people that you're talking to versus people that you're not talking to, you feel like you kind of get a flow for what you're supposed to be doing. You can drop pins into the world so that you at least have a one way to communicate wordlessly what you're trying to do or where you're going and when you start hearing the little sounds of a bug nearby everybody's head turns and then okay this is our new side mission like like it's just kind of unspoken cooperation that just is second nature in in this type of game the variety of things you can drop down and stratagems is really really exciting very quickly like you don't have to wait a long time to start getting new stratagems the gun progression does take me a bit longer like i haven't gotten enough to unlock a new gun yet and i'm level four but it's a ball. It's it's literally just a blast to play. Like whether you're good at it or not, whether you're alone or with other people, like whether you have a lot of time and you just spend hours and hours or whether you just drop in for a couple of rounds, like good times had by all, honestly. And I can't say enough good things about Fortnite. Y'all know how I feel about that game too. So you got to make room for both. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. <sighs> got to make room for both. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh man. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best because I definitely wanna check out Lady Gaga, which you have done, right, Doc Brooke? Oh yeah. I've been playing only as Lady Gaga until the Avatar <laughs> The Last Airbender. They've like leaked that that's supposedly coming to Fortnite. Rip my wallet. Until that time, <laughs> I will be Lady Gaga for the foreseeable future for every crowned royale. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I love this for you. I want this for me too. It's it's great. I just I just also just like need to sleep no <laughs> no. no i have just been spending all of my time honestly in in rebirth which is you know finally out now and i still have time to go i realize after listening to gamer tag radio danny pena's show and him talking about his time in rebirth and him talking about how far he is at like the 40 hour mark and i'm like oh i'm clearly just taking my sweet time <laughs> there's a lot I'm, of side work. i'm pretty early in the game yeah. and i have quite a few hours in and i'm like i should probably just start mainline and then I can come back and do some of this side stuff. But I like I like checking all the boxes, you know, it's hard not to. Yeah. The mini games, but we're not talking about the piano playing in Final Fantasy right now, which I love <laughs> and it's very fun. Because I can do rhythm and music mini game in Fortnite with Lady Gaga. Yeah. And it's great. Okay. Okay, I'm coming back. I'm doing it. Yeah. 
I say now. And now somebody just needs to like hold me to it. Okay. Who's volunteering? I'm going to text you and you're not going to yeah. reply. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Oof. I'm bad about that. You know this. I know I'm this. sorry. <laughs> I'll yes, just shoot you a game invite when I see you on. <laughs> yeah. You should. Honestly, it's probably the best. Mm-hmm. Or we just like set up a calendar date and then we'll both move it like five times. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to being a mom. Oh my God. <laughs> Gaming as a mom. The struggle is real. It is. Uh, it's wonderful and great. I love every moment of it. Haven't had any regrets. <laughs> <laughs> just crying inside. Everything's fine, everybody. Everything's fine. Okay, so we, you mentioned briefly Avatar. And Avatar, The Last Airbender, was a fantastic anime series that I watched, actually. Mm. The only anime series I've ever watched. And now it's got a live action component on Netflix. And Rihanna has seen it. I have. So I'm not, I'm not going to talk about any of the details of the show because it is slightly different from the animated series and it is fresh on the Netflix feed. So I don't want to ruin it in for anybody who wants to go in fresh. But general thoughts, I really enjoy it. And for context, I've watched the Avatar The Last Airbender animated series four times to completion. I've watched Korra 3. I've read a lot of the comics and I have a core statue. I, like, I, I am a very big Avatar <laughs> Last Airbender fan. I've, of course, seen the M. Night Shyamalan movie. And if you have two, then you will probably like this better than that. (laughs) (laughs) Shots fired. That movie sucks. I'm sorry. It's terrible. Ong. It was bad. Ong. From Ong to like, like all of the, uh, the, the bending is so, so bad. He threw a pebble across the screen. Okay. I think it looks fantastic. There's some CGI moments that do take me out of the action, but the bending in general, really, really successful. I I like the choreography. I think they did retain a lot of what makes each of the individual bending styles specific to different fighting styles, which is one of the things that I love the most about The Last Airbender. I think the characters translate well to their on-screen counterparts. Of course, there's folks like... And I'll say this because it was in the promo materials. Like, Monk Gyatso isn't a tall, skinny man. Like, okay, he's a little bigger whatever still captures the the relationship between him and Aang uh, very successfully so there's a lot of that that I think they did well I especially love the actor who plays Zuko he really captures the sassiness of Zuko in the first book Water and there's even like a couple of memes out there of him giving like some sass to people which is very funny to me there are some things that I'm not a huge fan of they made a lot of changes to the story because they have to right these kids are going to grow up faster than the animated kids did because they weren't human they have to change some of the what happens where because they have less time to get into all of the side stories there's not a lot of room for filler however I do feel like there's a lot of info dumps. There's a lot of heavy, heavy monologuing. Like, I feel this way about what's happening now, so I'm going to make this decision next. And that's frustrating to watch. Also, there are some younger actors here who maybe aren't as strong in their delivery of what the, what the material is. You know, like, it is what it is, but then also their delivery maybe is a little less successful than what the voice actors who are so incredible in the animated series are because they're all grown-ups and they had lots of experience. So there's good and bad to it. I'm enjoying it. I'm probably going to watch it again because I have to. I have to do that with most of the things that, that I, I love, especially if it's in a connected universe. I like to get really, really into it and sink my teeth into what makes this different. But I think it's interesting that the original creators 
did depart from this project early on, but have still given it, you know, like their support. I I wouldn't say necessarily their blessing, but they've given it their support. But we're also seeing new projects from them coming out soon. So I think this is a great addition to the Last Airbender universe. Maybe not as strong as some of like the comics or or things that we saw in uh, The Legend of Korra, the follow-up series. But I would say it's maybe like a 7 out of 10 for me. I think that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Like a 7.5. Yeah. That's good. 7.5 out of 10 is good. Yeah, that's passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a passing grade <laughs> from our, well, our terminal degree holder. <laughs> Never going to let that go. No. Terminal, terminal education. While we're talking about other media, I was invited by the team at Funcom to take a look at their upcoming game, Dune Awakening, which I'll talk more about next week. They have a special direct coming, which they've already announced. And during that event, I also got to see Dune Part 2, the feature film that is out now. And oh my God, I was not ready for how freaking fantastic that movie was. The first movie I really liked. I wasn't as high on it as a lot of other people were. I loved the cinematography, loved a lot of the costume choices, the set dressing, the music. I think a lot of like the visual style of the movie I loved. Narratively, I was just a little upset with the pacing and how they kind of really drip fed what was happening in the in the story in the world of Dune in part one. But part two like delivers on almost everything and is just so freaking fantastic. And I can't say enough good things about it. And I must immediately go see it on the biggest screen possible. And that's my thing to you. As somebody who has been a proponent for demand movies at home, premium prices. Yes, I will pay $30 at home. Yes, I will pay $40 at home to watch it. I love that I could watch new movies at home. Bring it to me. I would implore anybody who's interested at all in seeing Dune, and I would recommend anybody do it, even if you haven't watched it, though I would highly recommend watching part one first, or you might be kind of (laughs) lost. See it on as big of a screen as possible. This is a movie designed to be watched in a movie theater with big, giant surround sound speakers, Dolby if you can get it, IMAX if you can get it. Just have that cinema experience because, oh my gosh, what... Dallas Villeneuve did with his team and what they accomplished, what the actors did, the costumers, the sound design guys. Like, I mean, literally everybody who worked on this movie deserves a pat on the back. It's freaking fantastic. Like, chef's kiss, no notes. High praise. Wow. It's so good. It's so good. I, st- I, still, I still don't believe that it isn't just people playing in the sand. Could I find nitpicks about some of the narrative choices they made? Yes. But it stays pretty true to the novels, which I love. And I know that they did a lot of work with the Herbert estate on that. And now I just instantly want to go back and reread the books. And I've never felt that after leaving a movie theater Mm. going, I love that movie so much. It makes me want to go back and reread the books. And I have like three books in my queue already. And so I'm like, I shouldn't deviate to go back to Dune, but I just might. Wow. Very good. Just wanted to say that. So thanks to FunCon for inviting me. It was wonderful. And now I'm going to go buy a very expensive movie ticket to see it again. So wait, are you going Dolby or IMAX? I think I'm going to go IMAX first. And then if I have time, which I won't, uh, I will go (laughs) Dolby. Because I can have a good audio experience at my house. We have a really nice surround sound setup. But I can't recreate an IMAX screen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> that would be cool if I had that kind of space, but I don't. Fair. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, though I would like to hear it in Dolby. I thought there's got to be... There's got to be a theater that does both, right? I have not seen one. I haven't seen one either now that you mention it. Yeah. Maybe it's because the people at Dolby and IMAX don't play nice together. I don't know. Kind of like a Google Apple situation. Maybe. Maybe they're like, we take a percentage of the ticket price mm. and that percentage is too big to split with another person. I have I no idea. About this. this is a good question that I should find out the answer to. I don't need another ADHD research rabbit hole to get into, but You're gonna there we go. Up. Now I have one. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. That's going to wrap it up for us this week. Doc Brooke, so lovely to see you. So great to have you back on the show. Great seeing you, ladies. I hope that this photo shoot happens. Have you thought oh about gosh. wardrobe options? Oh, yeah. No, I, I promise I will let you know if this photo shoot happens. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I just pictured Doc dressing up that piece of paper in an outfit. Like, I don't know why that's where my wardrobe reference went to first. <laughs> I mean, now now it must be done. Now, yeah, exactly. Matching, please. Matching. Exactly. You can do it. I believe in you. Thank yeah, you. Um, had on the Rihanna, congrats again <laughs> on the Spawnies and on launching your new show. Very excited for you. Don't forget to go check out the Danny and Rihanna show. Everybody, links are in the show notes. And we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.